0: Been said a lot's been said, and uh, about COVID and a lot of fear and things this week. And uh, we remember that we are those who have an eternal hope that comes through Jesus Christ. And um, I, I know I get repetitive, when I said this recently, but realised that whilst the, the doctrine of the resurrection gives us great hope, it's that's not the final thing uh, that gives us hope when it comes to death. It's actually grace that gives us hope because it's fine that there's a resurrection. We just might wonder are we going to get it or not? Are we going to be those who are resurrected? And um, it's the grace of God through Jesus Christ that tells you that God accepts sinners and uh, of which we are all that. We're all sinners, aren't we? And that grace means that there is great hope for us. I hope that makes sense. Um, we, we don't know the future. We don't know about COVID. We don't know about anything else. But at the end of the day, our hope is that it's grounded in the character of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. Uh, having said all that, I'm going to change the subject. We're continuing on in Romans. And um, the passages we're on are, are really quite difficult to preach on in a way, because they're not kind of the, they're not the glory passages, the ones that we all love from Romans, these are the hard ones, and so that's really important to see what God's got to say to us through these. So we're at Romans 3 verse 1, Um, you're not going to have it up, so I'll just read it, yep, there you are, Um, it says, then what advantage has the Jew?" Or what is the value of circumcision? Much in every way. To begin with, the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. What if some were unfaithful? Does their their faithlessness nullify the faithfulness of God? By no means. Let God be true, though everyone were a liar. As it is written, that you may be justified in your words... And prevail when you are judged. But if our unrighteousness serves to show the righteousness of God, what shall we say? That God is unrighteous to inflict wrath on us? I speak in a human way. By no means for then how could God judge the world? But if through my lie God's truth abounds to his glory, why am I still being condemned as a sinner? And why and why not do evil that good may come? As some people slanderously charge us with saying, their condemnation is just. I think we need God's help for this one, so we're going to pray. Father, I pray that by your spirit you would give us wisdom in your word today and uh, that you would bring us the riches of your truth and that we may know more of you, that we may love you more and that we may live with a deeper assurance and peace because of what you, uh, who you are and what you've done. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we're really verse 1. Uh, what advantage there has a Jew... Uh, what value in circumcision? We talked about that last week. So if you really want to understand that, you better listen to last week's uh, message, which is up in the podcast. And, um, but really, if the Jews or circumcision had no value, then the whole Old Testament is pointless. And we said last week, the Old Testament is incredibly important because it shows us the history of God. I mean, let's just say we ignored the teaching of the Jews, then we got no, the creation message is gone. It's pretty important. That's our message of creation, isn't it? And, and the, the message of God saving his people through the Red Sea. That's actually our message, isn't it? And we know that all these things look forward to Jesus. But what I said last week is God's chose a special nation uh, through Jacob whose name was changed to Israel and, and, by, and, and Jacob was to say the least flaky he wasn't a great Christian he wasn't a great follower of God is that fair? that gives great hope isn't it? he is God's chosen one who from him he had 12 children the 12 tribes of Israel from this flaky one comes a flaky people, which is us, who have great hope because of what? Because God chose. Because God chose us. We are chosen and loved by God. And that promise that was made to him is a promise we live under, a promise of a righteousness that's not our own, because it's a righteousness that comes from God. I think that I'd have to say this and I've been thinking about it lately because uh, there's been a bit of discussion about this chosen and, uh, and things like that because the Bible seems to say that God chooses people, doesn't it? Like hundreds and hundreds of times. I chose you. And he just seems to choose people of his own free will sometimes, doesn't he? He doesn't even ask for permission. It's a typical of God. He's always doing stuff without asking for permission, isn't he? <laughs> and um, I can say this this is my personal testimony my Christian life I believe God chose me I believe I have had so many doubts so many falls so much sin so much rebellion I'm talking about as a Christian I'm not talking about as a non-Christian so many days of fears so many times I've wanted to give up times where it's too hard insecurities about, especially when people don't like me because of the message of Jesus, that is my Christian life. I am still a Christian because the Holy Spirit has kept me. No other reason. I'm a Christian because God chose me. Do you understand? That's how I've Do you want to know why you stay a Christian? It's God. If, what would it say? If, well, the reason I'm a Christian is because oh, I'm stuck by him. There's been so many days I haven't, so there's been so many days I haven't been a Christian. I just hope I don't die on one of those days where I'm not a Christian. Do you understand what I'm saying? We live by the grace of God. We live under His promises. He keeps us. How good is that? It is really good. There are lots of advantages to a promise in the Old Testament to Israel, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you because that's the promise we have through Jesus Christ. It's a good promise. What advantage is there to all of this? In verse 2 he says, Much in every way. To begin with, the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God, the very spoken words of God. Do you know how much through the Old Testament God is speaking? Gee, that's good, isn't it? God's speaking to his people. We wouldn't want to lose that. The Old Testament has a Sabbath. We wouldn't want to lose that, would we? It's fulfilled in Christ, of course. The Old Testament has a sacrificial system, which is fulfilled in Christ. The law, the covenants, the nature of God. Do you understand? I know we went over this last week. But to be able to say, actually, as Paul says, that all who are truly in Christ are, are Jewish is really important. Okay. And it's important to know this, uh, this is really central to what I'm saying today. Okay, I'll, I'll put it in a nutshell because I haven't clearly laid out what I'm saying. It's like this God never changes. We like that, don't we? Never ever changes. God is faithful. Good. God is the God of judgment. Yeah. Everybody, I didn't get any hippie parades for that. God never changes. He's faithful. He's a God of judgment. Why do we struggle with that? What, what is it about judgment that struggles? I'm asking that question. Why do we struggle with that? Nobody knows. one cares. Everyone's happy. Praise God that God's a God of judgment. That he will judge every sin. Why, 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 does it, why does it bother us? Because we know we've got sin. We wonder, is it all really gone? We get the feeling that our sin is not accidental most of the time. True? And some of it's quite deliberate. Yeah? Um, what's going to happen? If God never changes and he judges every sin, we're in trouble. Now, we know the gospel of Jesus and that, that's where that takes us. But still... This thing in the back of our mind, it bothers us that God's the God of judgment and it causes us to do all sorts of mind games. And I'm going to talk about some of that in a minute. Okay. There's much advantage to being one of God's chosen people and because we have the revelation of God, which is the oracles of God, which is what we see of God in the Old Testament. And so now I'm going on to this, what I talked about. Verses three and four. What if some... This is talking about the Jews, but it also refers to us. What if some were unfaithful? Does their faithlessness nullify the faithfulness of God? If people are faithless, does that mean that God's faithless? Or faithfulness By no means. Let God be true, though everyone were a liar. As it is written that you were justified in your words and prevail when you are judged. Now, this bit about God being true and every man a liar is a quote from Psalm 116 where he says this, I said in my alarm, all mankind are liars. Who likes being called a liar? How many people here aren't liars? And their hands go up. It's just a fact, isn't it? Actually, um, it started at the beginning. The devil, uh, Jesus said the devil, the devil was a liar from the beginning. He lied, actually, when he came to Adam and Eve, didn't he? He lied. Did God say you shouldn't eat from any tree in the garden? That's where he started. That was a lie, and he knew it. So he was a from the beginning. Um, so the heart of, at the heart of all human sin is actually lying. It's deceit. And um, I don't need to convince you of that. We all know that we're all always twisting stuff so it runs in our direction. Okay. But our sin doesn't change God's faithfulness. Our unfaithfulness doesn't change God. Our lies don't change his truth. Courtney you know, and I spoke on parenting yesterday um, and you'd wonder... How two people who began their talks by saying they were sinful could give any advice to anyone about being parents. Because what they're saying is on one hand, I haven't done this right. I haven't come up to the things I'm about to tell you. Here they are. How can you say that? Yeah? Sorry, I'm not having to go up caught in the eyes oh. Or have you ever thought this? How can I teach my children not to do this when they're young, when I did it when I was young? Ever thought that, parents? Yeah. Yeah. So what am I? Right. Does our lies change God's truth? What we can say is this having just lied, not, not just now, let's just say we've just lied. We can still say, lies are sin and God is truth. He does not change. Our actions don't change him. Does that make sense? Uh, 2 Timothy 2.13 says, If we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny himself. He can't change himself. God never changes. His love was there before creation. The warmth of his love is going to be there in the new creation. After judgment day. Do I understand? God's truth doesn't change because of us. Now, we do try and change it, and I'll go to that in a minute. But Paul uh, Paul here is also quoting that you may be justified in your words. He's quoting from Psalm 51 there. Do you remember when uh, David said, Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. What judgment? The judgment that I'm guilty. David's saying, you are right in saying that I'm guilty. You are justified in that. It's amazing that David's still talking to God about that, isn't it? How can he say that? Because David knew of the forgiveness of God. He didn't understand how it worked that it was going to come through Jesus, but he understood that God was a forgiving God. Because he was the one who said, "As far as the East is from the West, so far have you removed our sins from us, as a man who was full of sin." David's encouraging. I'm glad, we've got the Old Testament as our own. Okay, He is right in his judgment. Now, in other, look, we live in a day where many, uh, uh, many people are saying, "I'm not sinful. Don't tell me about my sin." that leaves you in a very bad place it, because we sin <laughs> and we know it. So what are we got to do? Hide it. Hide it from other people first. Hide it from ourselves. Justify it away. Say it's not really sin. I only had 19 drinks. It's not too bad. Um, you know, we always we have to change things so that we are not sinful. And yet we know this, don't we? All of our sin was dealt with once and for all through Christ. So we can freely admit it, knowing there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It doesn't kill us to admit our sin. And therefore, what we can say is, God is right. You are right when you judge. That thing that I did was wrong. And I can tell my kids, you shouldn't do that. You. <laughs> <Steph>. <laughs> because it's wrong. And I'm a failure. And you're going to fail too. That we live in Christ. Uh, does that all make sense? Verse 5 says, But if, if our unrighteousness serves to show the righteousness of God, what shall we say? That God is unrighteous to inflict wrath on us? I speak in a human way. Now, he's bringing a human argument here, and when you really think about it, it is a human argument, and we'll talk about it. This, but he's saying this, If our unrighteousness highlights God's righteousness, then isn't that good? If I stand here and go, I'm sinful and God is that just shows the holiness of God, then maybe I should sin a bit more and just show that God's even more holy. Okay. But but then, if that were the case, he says, God would have no right being angry with us to, to inflict wrath on us. It's a human argument because he says God is unjust. We don't understand God's ways in this world. We don't understand his judgments. But that doesn't mean God's unjust, does it? That's a human argument. God is always righteous and just. And he says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And he has said, all men are liars and women too, by the way. Just in case you don't. But you see... If we disagree with that, we actually disagree with the justice of God. We disagree with the nature of God. It's a human way of thinking because, well, that's just how humans are. Because humans ask these questions. Why would a good God cause or allow that? What's what's in brackets after that? God's not just. That's what it's really saying, isn't it? Yeah. Why did this happen in the world? God's not just. Yeah? I don't believe in a God like that. God, that sort of God's not just. That's what it's saying. That sort of God... You understand what I'm saying? Is God just? Absolutely. But we, when we question that, well, we're saying He's not. Okay. Even though sometimes you, you read a part of Scripture and people say, I don't believe in a God like that. A God like what? A God like I just read about. Yeah? I don't believe in that God. Well, we don't really get a choice about what God's like, do we? He is who he is, and he is holy, and he is just. And just because I have my own concept of rightness and justice, if that doesn't fit with the Bible's view of God, I'm not above him. For it says, for by no means, for then, in verse 6, how could God judge the world? If God's unjust, then how could he judge the world? And he will do that. God will judge the world. It's a very human argument, again, because the fact is, God is holy and just, and he will judge all things, all people on the basis of his law, his character. His law is his character. And I've explained it so many times before, but I'll say it again. When God gives a law, thou shalt not commit adultery. Why does he say that? Because he is faithful. And he says, so... To be, obey that law is to be like me. When he says you shall not lie, that's because he's a God of truth. So if you obey all of the laws, what do you look like? You look like God. So the law is very good, isn't it? That's why we can claim, as David, a lawbreaker said, the law is more precious than gold and sweeter than honey. He could say that because he knew it was the truth of God, not because he disobeyed it. Okay. And he will judge justly on the basis of his perfect holiness. And God's judgment appears even before sin entered the world. Did you you know that? Because he said, if you eat of this fruit, you will surely die. Yeah? That's what he said. There was a spiritual death and later a physical death that would happen there. You will surely die. So judgment was there even before sin entered the world, the possibility of judgment. Um, you see, at the heart of them... I, I, I know it was... Uh, this is, <laughs> sorry, I feel like I'm all over the place, but it's not. Well, I'm talking about the same thing here. The, the heart of them eating the fruit was disobeying God because they thought they knew better than God because they wanted to be like God or they wanted to be above God. They wanted to know good and evil but they didn't want to know good and evil. They wanted to be the judges of good and evil and just tell God what was good and evil. Do you understand? So that they could say, well, you might have a problem with this God, but in my judgment, I'm not that bad. Actually, I'm basically good. I have a few failures, but as people say, my heart is basically fundamentally good and just, and I have a good understanding of good and evil. So God's judgment are harsh. That's that's what, that's what all that is saying. And the thought that people say, and the thought that God will judge and punish, well, I don't accept a God like that. Again, like we get a choice. We don't. I have a right to judge fairness and justice and sin and right and wrong on the basis of what I, And it always ends up with me being above everybody else. Because I can see with my standard, most of you are a little bit below my standard. Sorry, everybody. But I'll let some of you into heaven. In other words, what we're saying is this. We want to judge God. Can you hear that? When we say, I don't agree with that, we are are God's judge. And we're saying, actually, in a few places, you're not really right, God. You're wrong. That's a terrible place to be, isn't it? I don't accept what the Bible says. I want to judge you on the basis of my judgment and that's the heart of sin to be above God to exercise judgments over him that's why people say I could never believe in a God like that I believe in a God I've made in my own image my own thoughts and my own judgments and the God who would judge sin and death or would ever allow or cause suffering or would ever crush my dreams to be rich and famous and popular and living forever I don't agree with a God like that do you understand what I'm saying just give me a nod Somebody awake? Yep, it's making sense. Okay. Because in our age, what are we told? Everybody is living out their own truth. Yep. And if your own truth says that that chair is red, then that's true for you. And if I say it's blue, it's true for me. Nobody's going to tell you it's green, are they? (laughs) Because that's God's truth. It's not actually true, that we can't live out our own truth. There is truth and there's lies and God is truth. And that's it. And he is the one who said, if you eat of this fruit, you'll surely die. And I can tell you that Adam and Eve aren't alive today. Are they? Now, when it comes to judgment, the first thing that the devil had to do before he could tempt Adam and Eve to sin was to get rid of judgment, the possibility of judgment. So he said, when you eat of this, you will surely not die. Yep. Yep. There's going to be no judgment if you sin. You'll be fine. Don't worry about it. It's if you see, you can't possibly sin unless you believe that there's no judgment. I'll tell you, if you're driving down the Mooney and you think, I'm going to speed, the reason you will do it is because you believe you're not going to get caught by the police. Yeah. You're not going to th- if you know there's a policeman around the corner, you're not going to say, I'm going to do go 160 and see what happens. You don't do that, Okay. The reason that we sin is because we believe we won't be judged and held accountable. Does that make sense? We will lie because we believe we can get away with it and we're not going to be held to account. (coughs) Before we sin, we look to the east, we look to the west. No one's watching. I can get away with this one. I won't get caught. There's going to be no judgment. There's going to be no punishment. You get it? You will surely not die. We have to get rid of judgment before we can sin. Next time you think about deliberately sinning, just think, I'm putting aside God's judgment here. I'm I'm putting aside the thought that he's going to judge my sin or discipline me or anything else. But God is true and every man is a liar. And he will come to judge the living and the dead and he will judge with perfect justice. And every sin will be... Exposed. Do you know those pictures in the Old Testament of the angels and they've got eyes all over them? Because he sees everything. God sees everything. Every thought in your heart, he sees it. Everything, every... When you are completely on your own and you think, I can get away with thinking this or doing this, God sees it. He knows everything. And he is the just judge. Every sin, every motive will be laid bare. And all those... Who have rejected Jesus, and re- that means they have rejected the free gift of salvation. You see, there's nobody, There's not going to be anyone in hell who hasn't decided to be there. People have said, "I don't want it. Okay, God's punishment will be okay. I'll give you what you didn't want. Uh, I'll give you what you asked for." Yeah, sorry, do you understand what I'm saying? If you reject the free gift of salvation, you don't get the free gift of salvation. That's how it works. And you'll be judged as guilty and there's eternal punishment and there's no court of appeal. That's in God's judgment because he's a just judge. But every man or woman who has trusted in Jesus will receive eternal life. Why? Because there is no sin in them. If there was one little lie, one little anything in them that wasn't completely in line with the character of God, they cannot be saved. How perfect do you need to be to get to heaven? 100%. Not a single spirit of sin in you at all. You see, but it's not just that God doesn't judge them, those who believe in Jesus. It's not that God turns a blind eye to that sin and says, I know you did that, but it's okay. I'll let you off the hook for that one. He doesn't ever do that for a single sin. It's because Jesus had borne every single sin on the cross that you have done, that you're doing today, and that you will do in the future. It is all gone. If that weren't the case, judgment would be a very fearful doctrine and I would never talk about it. Never. It would be too scary because I knew I was up for it. But Jesus has taken all of our sin. Do you hear it? 100%. The all-seeing God has seen every evil thought your heart has ever had and Jesus has taken every one of those once and for all and they are all gone so that when you get to heaven there's nothing left to judge on judgment day God can only see the righteousness of Christ which has come as a fuel gift for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord that's good isn't it otherwise we're always shifting the truth hiding from judgment making out that that wasn't so bad Justifying ourselves. God is the judge. And that's good news. Because He never changes. Make sure you're in the group of trusting Jesus. Yeah, be in that Be on that side. That's a good place to be. Okay. Verse 7 says But if through my lie God's truth abounds to his glory, why am I still being condemned as a sinner? we understand the incredible grace of God because when we sin that's when we see the grace of God and, so, and we see what Jesus has done and we see the glory of God's character and his love and his grace so if our sin highlights God, God's glory then we should sin more to you know, highlight his glory more and that's really helping God out that's bad logic of course as, I, as I've said up to now darkness highlights the lightness of light but that doesn't make darkness light. It's just not. It's still darkness. We know God's incredible grace in the face of our sin. And the more we sin as we go through life, the more thankful we are for that grace. But that's never, a, that's never why we sin, to increase God's glory. That I think that's obvious. Okay. And, but that's what exactly what some people were saying about Paul. Because the reality is, if you preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, if you preach the full forgiveness of sins, sooner or later you're going to have someone come up to you and say, you're preaching something a bit too easy. You're being too easy on the people. Yeah, that's right. You've got to, you've got to use a few laws to shove them in the side to keep them, keep them honest. Because the law keeps people honest, doesn't it? If I keep telling you law after law after law, I, I, the truth is I'm going to crush you and I'm going to take you to the point where you feel like, what's the point of all this? I'm off to sin. Or you're going to try really, really hard, get better and better and better and then one day there's going to be an almighty crash followed by the thought, well, now that I've crashed, I'm off I'll crash more. You know, those, we, all have, we all go through those, yeah? That's how it goes. But full forgiveness doesn't make us slack. The grace of God doesn't make us slack. We we did Titus earlier in here. Remember, he he said in Titus two eleven. Now listen this carefully. For the grace of God has appeared. This is through Jesus, bringing salvation for all people. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. What trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions? The grace of God. Surely it's law. Surely it's the threat of a big stick. Surely it's a lecture from God that you've done wrong again. No, the grace of God trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age. You want to live a godly life in this present age? Focus on the grace of God. It drives you from sin and it drives you to self-control, upright, godly lives. Christ's love controls us. Or, other translations say, Christ's love compels us. Or, other translations say, God's love constrains us. They're all good words, aren't they? In other words, it's God's love through Christ that brings us away from sin. Don't trust in the law for that. If anyone is in Christ, They are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. We have a knowledge of sin. We confess it up, but we know the goodness and grace of God. We know the love of God. We know that forgiveness has come through us through Jesus. And so highlighting our sin just reminds us again and again more the grace of God and the grace of God drives us from sin. Can you understand that? It doesn't drive us towards them. One day, Jesus will come as judge. And uh, the Bible speaks uh, of an anger which will never be taken away. It's called the wrath of the Lamb. And that is the wrath for all who reject Jesus, the Lamb of God. That judgment's warranted, But for all who have put their trust in Jesus... There is eternal life, eternal perfection, eternal acceptance from the Father. The judgment, uh, as uh, John 5 says, Jesus said we have passed through judgment when we have faith in Him. Judgment has been done when you put your trust in Jesus. We thank God for that. That way we can be honest people who call sin, sin. It's true, it's sin. Even when we do it ourselves. It's still sin, because we know the forgiveness of him. And praise. Father, we thank you for what you've done for us in Christ. We thank you every week after week, and we, we just... We're overawed that we could ever have such a gift. We know we're undeserving. We know we fall short. And so... We want to praise you for your love and grace. And this morning we want to even be brave enough to say this. We praise you for your judgments. We praise you for your justice. Because you freely have given us the righteousness of Christ. And I pray that this knowledge would cause us to live confidently. Never playing down your truth. Loving your truth loving your character and living with no fear of the condemnation that's there for those who don't trust in Jesus. I pray that you would renew that knowledge in us, that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit, that we might live in the fullness of this knowledge. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.